This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I am unashamed. What about you? So, uh, Mom, we're back. We're we're unashamed. You're back. I know. How do you feel? I feel. You feel like smarter when you come in this room. I do. <laughs> I really do. Because you know, I have some trouble with word pronunciation, but obviously, my fans don't care. Well, we found out that Jace can't use any words bigger than would fit in a Scrabble board. So, which is seven letters. So, yeah. if he gets past seven letters, then he says he's in trouble. He doesn't understand it. So, well, I didn't know we had that in common. That's scary. Well, I've always said that's why you and Jace don't get along is because y'all are so much alike. Well, you know, we did that personality test, mm-hmm. and we came in like, and me and Jason both said we want to re- redone. We want it recounted because that is <laughs> can't be right. I'm not like him, and he's not like me. Here's where we are now. You're getting your seventies. Here's where we are. About a week before it went down, Miss Kay said, I've got this group of people, young people, coming with Jason's daughter, and they're coming from the college to come down here, and I'm going to teach them how to cook chicken and dumplings. Homemade. And this is going to start at <laughs> 7 o'clock Thanks for on that. Thursday night. And you are to be dismissed before these proceedings happen. Move out, get away, and get get gone. <laughs> so and then I'll so I'm you, like, okay, where do I stay? <laughs> and the, she said, "Well, fine, Dan. Something you just camp out for about three or four hours. I go through the cooking episode." So you were asked to leave. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> They basically said, you hit the road. Well, nobody would want a grumpy old man in there <laughs> telling us to be I quiet. My, I grabbed my weapon and a little grub, and I drove on up the road. <laughs> it sounds so sad. <laughs> and Phyllis wasn't even here to keep you company. There wasn't anybody here but yeah. Dan. Oh, he old did. Dan was here, you know. So Dan and I, so what did you and Dan while do? they were on the cooking episode, Dan and I was watching the exploits, exploits of one Matt Dillon? Matt Dillon. <laughs> so we went with Dillon, and Miss Kay went with the chicken and dumplings. Oh, I'm glad to know and that. I scrounged after, after I said, when, well, so when I, I can come back home, how did you get that work? She said, I'll give you a call. <laughs> so she'll give me a call. Okay. Well, and all oh. of a sudden, they all walked in with her. Well, they once, wanted to meet you. She just fed, you know. So now we got a photo shoot, you know, and I'm sitting there. You know. So I just well, went by I, and kind of kind of scravaged around to come up with any leftover chicken and dumplings. Finally took a good nap, but that ordeal was over. Some things I'm just not, they don't want me on the premises. So the, this was Cooking t- episodes. Nobody wants a grumpy old man on the premises. We were having fun. <laughs> I mean, they're all in college and but me, so they were happy. But they did want to meet him. Oh, and they did. Picture, get a picture yeah, taken. They did. Yeah. They did. Oh, I, I make spoke sure at he's the prestigious real. university that they attend, David Liscomb up I did, in Tennessee. I was with you. That was a yeah, great. Remember? We, we spoke three times because they sold out their gymnasium three times. We spoke to 15,000 people that weekend. You yep. realize that? 5,000 people. Well, these were the children of the people that yeah. went to David Liscomb. Right. So. They're all brothers, good brothers. I embrace them yes, as brothers. They, I don't know whether they embrace me as a Do brother. Do you remember oh, yeah. you and Cy threw out the first pitch at the baseball game that night? Remember I that? remember that. Because they gave us the Oh, that's where that was. Yeah, I remember they that. They were wearing camouflage, special camouflage jerseys. Well, here's one we for there. you. You know, we spoke at the other college up there close to them, their, their rivalry. Yeah. So I wear a shirt. With the other church's name on it, just with the other get, college, yeah. I guess I got it confused, and they looked at me and they said, "We've got some extra shirts you can put. Don't wear that one." Their I'm biggest a, rival, yeah. Yeah. So I had to. They found me another shirt. wrong university. That's right. Yeah. So um, we also have Lisa, of course, my soulmate, best friend. So you're you're sitting in uh, Jace's seat. 
Mm. Does that mean I have to complain the whole time I'm sitting You have to complain a lot. You have to interrupt Dad a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she taught to, these girls how to, how to make chicken dumplings, but, but that part of the country, that middle, middle part of Tennessee up in the hills, that little Jason's moved up there next to Nashville. Yep. There's a lot of salt of the earth people there. I love Tennessee. Actually, one of my girls that was there last night was from Kentucky. She told me about that. And I told her, wasn't that where Christine was from, Sam's wife from Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was, uh, I think, somewhere near uh, Fort Knox. Because it wasn't her dad in the military, yeah. too. She was yeah. a military she brat, a I think. Military brat. That's right. Growing up. And there was one girl, let me tell you who she looked just like, Erin Spillers. And I called her Erin a lot. She said, Miss Kay, that's not my name. I said, but you look like her. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, so, it so was now you're, now you're doing dad? You're just randomly naming people so you'll remember who they are? Well, obviously, that's what I I Do you think I could memorize 10 people last night? No, I don't. I, I do know one of the boys was named Hudson. Because it was the Hudson River that goes into New York City. Well, Is I thought it was just girls. She brought boys, too. Oh, she was going to bring five boys, and only two came. It was the boyfriends of some of them. Oh, okay. And Mia was the one. She just met them at college, you know. Yeah. They wanted to learn how to make They were them. very nice. I thought it was a good good blow for well, society. So did how you? How many young women want to know how to cook chicken and dumpling? And two know. men. Yeah. Boys, I <laughs> so So did you... Because sometimes lately, Mom, you forget stuff. I mean, did you pull it off? Did you? How did well, they How was it? Okay, thanks to your. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, you're okay. still a great cook. Well, I'm but sometimes praise you leave y'all out. for your daughter, Alex, who came down to help me. And I told her what I was going to do. I gave her the cookbook and I said, I'm making this twice. So she had all ingredients here and a whole nother counter. She had the other ingredients. Right uh, before I left, I slipped in there when no one was looking. Uh-oh. She had one chicken in one pot and another chicken in another pot, and the broth was there. So I looked both ways. I got a spoon, and I all I wanted to do was check the salt. Yep. And I checked it a little bit on one of them and then the other one, you know. And I, not much, but I put a little more salt in them. But I told her, I said, listen, if you forgot whether you salted this broth or not, remember, I've taken care of it. It's good to go. Don't put any more salt in here because about a month ago she cooked some kind of dumplings and forgot she put the salt in. Well, you put some more salt in. Well, you know, you do that about three times and you got salty broth you like you ain't seen lately. Well, it's not like I'm a spring chicken, is it? You know, I forgot I put salt on it. You said to put some more. And you know, when she walks by 10 minutes later, I forgot whether I did it or not. She grabbed hold of the salt. <laughs> Well, it all turned out last night, thank yep. you. Well, you had a lot of helpers. So so Alex was making sure you had the ingredients. And yeah, all she had it. And, but, but Alex did a wonderful job, your daughter. Oh, yeah, she's good. I mean, unless she was cleaning up behind her and lifting the heavy pots. I mean, you know, these <laughs> pots they're cooking these chickens in, I mean, right. we're talking about iron. Oh, it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot. That's exactly right. Well, and, you know, she's, uh, Alex is, I mean, she's got the bloodline. And then she finally, you know, fell in love with cooking. But she also had some professional training, which helps for some other yeah. things that she does. Too. Well, and, and she she was very good to have it have those so separated because when you're making one batch, and you want to complete that, and then to make another batch, you know, you don't. You, it would be confusing. But she had, you know, out like I say, Alex went over here, and on the other first bar, you walk into my house. She had one set, and then on the other, she had. Another set, so I could go right into. Well, you know, as your kids, you're always proud of them. But she's mm-hmm. she's got a lot of skills. She's also typically speaking. <clears throat> also, Peter won when, but there was about five times at least practicing hospitality mm-hmm. is a is a is the way to roll. I mean, you know, yeah. practice hospitality. Well, y'all trained us in that. I mean, yeah. like we saw it growing up, so. They're, our house is the hangout place. Just it like is a great way to love your neighbor. It and is. It also said a little caveat there without grumbling. Yeah. So don't be don't be saying I ain't ever seen people eat that much. <laughs> you know you don't want to be talking yeah. negative about something yeah. that yeah. you fixed. It was good, and they cleaned it up pretty quick. Right. Like, Whoa. Yeah. No, that's good. So, mom, a lot of people ask me from our podcast listeners, "What's wrong with Jace? You're his mother." <laughs> 
Well, let's, <laughs> well, I mean, you that. raised him. Well, Hang on. How long do we have? We have. We, have we need all a couple the time, of hours for this. We have all this. the time we need. Okay. We could spend a whole this podcast all, throwing him under the bus. Okay. At three years old, all I know is if I said it was red, he said it was green. <laughs> and if I said it's this time, he said it's that time. And we just, all our life, we just conflicted. But, you know, then we did the personality test at church. And mine and his was the same. And I said, I want to recount. I mean, I don't, uh-uh. that's recount. not right. That's not right. <laughs> this profile was stolen. And he said, I don't act like Kay. Are you crazy? I'm not. And I said, I'm not, Jace. So, which I guess proves the point we are like. Yeah. You did it. Mm-hmm. He told me you just never, he was always just kidding, but you never got his humor. That is a bunch of bull. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's what he told me. Y'all's clash was because you couldn't get his humor. We now have a segment on the podcast on how to raise obedient, godly children. I look at all of y'all. I'm proud of the whole bunch. Well, I think, yeah. You and then Jace and then Willie and then Jeff. All four of y'all. I mean. And Phyllis now. You turned out out well. Yeah, it did. But I didn't know. Well, I that was all going to go, but it did. See, and you were the sneaky Pete. Alan would start all the same between Jason and Willie, and then he's out the back door when they're fighting it and mm-hmm. duking it out. But he started the whole thing. The oldest brothers always know the right buttons to push oh, to, they do. to bring the wrath, and that's what I used to enjoy doing was getting them to that point, you know, that— of course, they were they were easy marks because they you know they fought all the time. They were only two. Well, years what to... about the night they locked me out of the house? Daddy was out of town, of course. And Is they that lo- when you hit the window and broke it, and yeah, then cut that your was, hand. And then that's when I heard him scream, "Uh oh, she broke the window. We better head for the hills." And they took as fast <laughs> they could go and hit out the back door. And of course, I was I was going to think I could catch them. <laughs> they went up that hill like a thoroughbred horses. <laughs> And I couldn't even get up the hill, so it was funny. I said, "You're gonna come back, and you will get it by your dad." It was funny watching because I had daughters and then two granddaughters for the longest time, so all I knew was girls. And so until my grandsons came along, I hadn't really watched them how boys are, and I'm shocked. And it, it took me back to our childhood because just constant fighting, running. Loud noises, just tumbling over, you know. And I thought, man, I guess that's how we were the same way. It's just mm-hmm. kind of forgot. well. Uh, we had to have we had to stop on the way to church every Sunday so Phil could whip Jason or or Willie. And he said, "He look at me. Quit looking at me." No, you. Can't that was one of the three me. rules, right, Dad? You, no, no, no fighting, no fighting, no meat no, popping. popping. I mean, you could it came to blows, <laughs> right? Too too much. Too much. Yeah. You have an argument. You, you want to make your point. Raise your voice. No problem. Right. But if it turns to blows, I say you can't do that. So, I, so Dad, I've become you at my house because I'm sitting there trying to watch a game. But now you get it, though, don't you? Oh, I get it. So I'm <laughs> kids. Kids in the back. Outside. Outside. Kids outside. I, yep. I can't remember how many times Dad has said that when, you know, with the grandkids or with us. You make a lot of racket. You got to get outside. Yeah. Right. You know, by the time y'all got about mm, 16, 17, that's when no more, no more leather straps, no more, none of that. That was just, I'm saying. Well, somebody, somebody sent a question in. So since we're talking about it, we, we can answer it. Uh, let's take a break. So, uh, Lisa's on the podcast today and, uh, we talk a lot about, I talk a lot about our work in the pro-life movement. And uh, obviously it's more based on your story, but it's also became our story because abortion doesn't just affect you know, one woman. It affects a man. It affects, you know, the father of a child. It affects, in my case, a husband that came along later. And so this is a, it's a, it's a broad and, and important uh, topic to talk about. One of our favorite um, groups that sponsors our podcast podcast is uh is a group called 40 days for life and you've contributed to their newsletter you wrote an article for them and uh we spent time Magazine. yeah and we spent time with sean who's been on the podcast as well so we just want to encourage you to check these guys out they have over a million volunteers in a thousand cities 
what they do, Mom, is they hold peaceful vigils outside abortion mm. rooms, and they just pray. They're not confrontive, combative. They're just well, that praying. wouldn't do any good. No, and and we went down that road, right? So they, these guys have the right idea. They're really targeting the states that have now, since it's moved to the states, with yeah. a high abortion rate, uh, and they're having a lot of success. Uh, changing yeah, their stats are incredible. Yeah, they're changing hearts and minds. There's yeah. no doubt about it. Uh, it. 106 abortion businesses in America have closed. Uh, and 45% of those were in liberal states, which is great. So we want you to check them out, check out their locations, their podcast, their free magazine at 40daysforlife.com to stay updated on this now post-Roe America. So it's 40daysforlife.com. Check them out. Uh, what do you? What's the best way to discipline a teenager? Must be having some issues with their teeth. Biblically, uh, put a rod on their back. <laughs> They're a little Whether it's big. a belt wow, on the... their butt or a rod on their back. That's really better younger, wouldn't you say? Why, oh, not, yeah. Well, you can shake. Once they get a certain age. I remember when you whipped us when we got drunk, but but it was like, okay, this is this ain't going to work anymore. It's the last. Yeah. Yep. That was the last up. one. It was, was like, the last one. this won't work. So now you have to move to something else. So I think that's their question. I mean, what would y'all By the say? way, the, kid, the kid, one of them kids that was with y'all came back. I didn't I didn't know who he was, but I said, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, bending over the car. <laughs> so I put a belt on his butt. Billy Red Dog, his mother and father. They were there. They, they said, were can clapping. we watch because he needs his tail, boy. <laughs> I said, I don't mind if you watch. I said, but you know, y'all are his parents. If you don't want a belt on his butt, tell me now. Because that's the that's the that's the yeah. Code. Because when you were with me, you said I don't know who this kid is. But <laughs> yeah, I said, son, I don't know who you are, here. but you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Dad well, Thirty years commentary. went by, and and, and that, that guy showed back yep. up. I remember. He said, remember me, and I said, and I don't. I think it looked like your face for me. You know, I was trying to make him feel good. I said, no, I don't remember. <laughs> he said, I was that fourth man, and when we all drank beer and. With with Al up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I said, "Oh, you got in on the back of the car discipline." He said, "Yeah." He said, "I just want to let you know, I needed every bit of it, and I'm glad you did it. And I'm just telling you now, I'm back. <laughs> I'm done with all of that." Oh yeah. I'm like, well, good yeah. He's you, a, he was an interesting guy. I had not seen him either until he came to church that day. Yeah. But yeah, that was a. But that's what I'm saying. So, what would y'all? What's your advice be, babe or or mom? What about teenage raising teenage? Because I mean, well, you're into the three now. You got. Your great grandchildren are teenagers, so I know it's not like we had. Well, I think withholding something they want, yep, is a good idea. Not letting them go somewhere they want, or taking away something they have that they don't want you to take away. Sure. It has to be something that that matters. Yeah, that matters. Right. You know, or you know, that's all I can think of. You could do with big. Ones. Well, I, I think. You know, I think you need to communicate clearly as well. I think the biggest problem today I see with people and their teenage kids is they don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in separate rooms, they're on separate devices, you know, and so what uh. happens is you got a lot of questions about behavior, but nobody's communicating what's going on. And so therefore you just get very isolated. You know what? One I- of the things that's a, uh, when y'all were young bucks up to you were 16, uh, the, the computer world had not come on the scene yet right you know cell phones it's a new phenomenon oh, what, what's that right. so we didn't deal with the cell phone crowd i think once the cell phone came well then the mischief started kind of started uh building uh, as they say yeah it was it became more difficult to discipline they sit over on it on that yeah, we have to ration for our grandkids well you have have see i have a new rule now if you if we all sit out at, at the table no cell phones so, so I had those ten, ten there last night from college that Mia brought to for me to teach them how to make chicken and dumplings. So they all sat down. I'm sitting there and I'm just staring at this one boy. And he said, "Am I doing something wrong?" And I said, "We don't use our cell phones uh, while we're eating at the table." He said, "I'm I'm so sorry. I just was looking up something." And I said, I "Look, just look it up later, okay?" And <laughs> I think, it, I think it also has to do with, with what the offense is. You know, some offenses are worse than others. So I think it has, you, you've got to, the consequence has to fit what the offense was. And, um, you know, with, 
we actually are helping to raise our grandkids. So whenever something happens, then Carly usually comes to me and you. Um, and then we go with her to her parents or whatever. But I mean, it's just a relationship. Yeah. And again, it, that happened because of communication. Teenagers are going to mess up, and their consequences many times at that level can be severe. You know, or because fatal. of fear or fatal. Yeah. That's right. So you have to have an open dialogue. That's right. And and our grandkids do come to us and talk to us, and then we go talk to their parents. We we try to make sure the chain is clear. Yeah. on who's in charge, but at the same time, it's nice that they're willing to come talk to us. That takes effort. Dad, I was talking about that text in uh, is Ephesians 6 that says, fathers do not exasperate your children. Yeah. And I think you and Mom did a good yeah. job in raising us in the sense that the reason we are adult friends yeah. is because you didn't exasperate us. In other words, yeah. you had rules, but, I mean, it wasn't overdone. Yeah. If minor things had yeah. minor consequences, you know, right. I, I think that's a yeah. big thing for it's hard. I mean, parenting is hard. Yeah. Well, it's biblical for sure. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That's in the Ten Commandments, you know. You know, children obey their father and mother, and they'll live. And he says it, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy your long life on the earth. Yeah. He's actually saying if you discipline your children, they'll live longer and so will you. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty big promise if you look at it. You're right. like, never thought about that, but you know, one pill these days, wrong pill, yeah. and you're dead. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, I mean, one tr somebody tries something and they're poisoned. You're exactly right. I think there would be should um, be a rule: you don't eat candy that you don't know where you got it or how who brought it. Or, I mean, you just think about even that. Da even dabbling, kids will dabble into something. Oh, they think they're goodness. doing something else, then it kills them. Yes, yeah. hundred thousand a year. I'm like, it's very scary. Well, you know, last Dangerous night world out there. they wanted me to tell some stories, you know, about y'all and all that. But the first one I picked up on, I said, well, let me tell you one about Willie Jess Robertson. I said, this is how I knew he was going to be well off one day and probably be some kind of real important businessman. And they said, when he was young, you thought that? And I said, well, what happened in school was he got me to bring him some different candy and little chips and all that. Like, and he, needed, he said he needed it for school. You know, for snacks, like, I thought, well, I thought they always had a snack thing at school, but maybe they don't. So anyway, and I was hoping maybe he's helping poor or something. Oh, yeah. Well, I was dead wrong. He goes up there and starts selling all the snacks, and the whole school wouldn't buy from the school. They would only buy from Willie. He was undercutting the concession stand. That's what he was doing. Capitalism. And, and he came home with his... And then he would do this, too. Not only that with the snacks, but he told me on the bus that he could sing. He memorized all your songs on an eight-track box. Corner. Uh-huh. And he, he sang. called it Human Jukebox. Yeah, his favorite one was uh, Jukebox Hero. Yep. But and, and he would say, they'd say, sing for us, Willie. And he said, well, uh, it'll be a quarter. Who wants to hear put me sing? a quarter sing? in the slot. You put it in his armpit and he yeah. drop it in his pocket. That's right. And so then I got a call from the principal at school that said, you have to do something about your son. And I said, what's he doing? <laughs> they said, well, he, by himself, he shut down the whole school concession stand that we used to raise money. And they all wanted to buy all their snacks from Willie Robertson. And I said, Will, you shut down the school. He said, well, I'm making an enterprising business here, and now they won't let me do it. But the socialists won over the capitalists because yeah. they, they shut him down. Yeah. <laughs> but that showed you in the fifth grade, he had some, you know, something about being going to make money. Well, he was all, also cute, so... Well, that's why Dimples help. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all the girls liked him. Oh, yeah. We don't know what happened now, but. Well, it's funny it when, he, when he tells those stories when he speaks, he tells, uh, he said, he he always knew how well y'all were doing with the business as to where they were in the free lunch program. 
you know, things were times were hard when it was free lunch. When they went to half lunch, half cost, he said, that meant the business must be picking up. By the time he said we started having to pay for our lunch, we were off and running with yeah. that commander. So yeah. that's, that's how right. he says he rated it. Was the well, I tell him it didn't hurt him to have humble beginnings. That's right. Because he's obviously forgot some of those now with his, you know, enterprises. <laughs> and I was asking him, I said, if you start any new businesses, he said, Mommy, you don't want to hear about that. That would just confuse you. We'd, let's don't even talk about that. Just, just let him go. Let him go. Yeah. Let him do what he's doing. Let's take another break. So, Mom, I don't know if you knew this or not. Yesterday, there was a big press release um, giving the date of the release of the movie about your and Dad's young life called oh. The Blind. <laughs> in Scary. Uh, September 22nd, 2023 is what it's going to be. So about a year from now is when the, the movie will release. And uh, just to let Unashamed Nation know, so there's going to be a trailer that'll come out at some point. So we want you to know when it's going to come out. So if you go to theblindmovie.com, theblindmovie, uh, then you can uh, sign up and they'll give you like updates and tell you what's happening with the movie. Because let's face it, it's uh, it's your life, right? Yeah, yeah, that's real scary to watch it too, I'm telling you. Did you get, did both of y'all get to meet all the no. actors playing you? Well, what I did. Because there's three different yeah, age and ranges. I'm uh, the the girl me the eight year old girl me I we Facebook talked and the and the Facebook talked well how you ever you okay. do it, FaceTime or something and then the teenage girl I talked to and saw her picture so I got to see but both the adult of them. one you didn't I did oh you did we okay. met at Willie's house oh, okay. he brought in just the actors playing us yeah when there was she dad's was a Brit was yours a Brit yeah mine's them yes isn't that amazing uh, that. They're British actors. I wanted to listen to our accents. Yeah. I wonder how well they got it. I have no idea. I don't know, but I... You got a pretty good twang. Yeah, and she needs to mess up most of her words, (laughs) and then she would really be me. I don't know that you messed up all your words back then, though. I've messed them up since I've been learning. (laughs) Have you? It just seems like recently it's gotten worse. So what are you? So are you excited about the movie? Dad's a little trepidatious about it because he, he's not. That's crazy. a big word. That's a, well, there you go. That's bigger than a scrabble board. Yeah. yeah, he's not sure about it. But what what do you, what is your feeling about it? Because I don't think we've talked to you about the movie. Well, I'm excited about it. And we've I, seen a couple of clips. Yeah, and everybody cried. It was a it was a cry fest. It was. And you, even you had tears. You might not admit it, but he did. And I was like, "Oh my goodness, is this this might be harder to go through than I thought?" But I'm excited because, and what, what I told this yesterday to or last night to these kids, I said, "You know, I when I was we were younger, and our crazy lives were going on, I said, you know, my family should be on TV." I said, "We're so funny and crazy." We would make a TV show. It was all a joke. I never in a hundred thousand years thought that would come true. I just made a statement, and look, it came true. Mm-hmm. That's right. It took it took to you, you know, more toward the end than the beginning, but you know that's the way it should be because you guys have lived, you know, a pretty long life up to now with with hopefully some more years to come. Mm-hmm. But you're looking back, way back. I mean, we're we're going back over fifty years, sixty years. Yeah, time to be able to tell this story, which is it's pretty amazing cool. that we haven't aged at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your age was <clears throat> so. So since we're talking about the that era, I have some questions here from <laughs> listeners today. Uh, Brian asked Miss Kay if you could go back to the time before Phil came to the Lord. So that's the setting of this movie, mm-hmm. and give yourself advice. What would you tell your younger self? I don't even know if I understand that, but <laughs> it's a bit of a time loop situation. If you could go back and talk to Kay in her twenties, what what would you tell her? Well, you know, based on what you know now. Well, the thing is, the reason they never agreed with me. The reason that my grandma taught me to stay with your husband, there was no. She said divorce shouldn't exist because, except for the worst thing, you know. But she kept 
you know, just in me that you're going to have it. You're, you know, one man, one wife for one life and and all that. And then she started telling me stuff to do because things were going to go wrong. And I said, well, I, I'm i not going to have things go wrong in my marriage. I mean, I've already planned out, like, who I kind of want to get, and I know I can probably find that man, which I did. And then I just said, I, I just can't see. I don't understand. And I didn't. But then when the it was real and when Phil was not, well, he was just not walking, you know, walking with God, so the devil was in him. And I used to get so mad at him, I called him the devil, didn't I? Yep. And, uh, but that whole thing there. We were pretty close. Was that everybody kept advising me to leave him, to leave him, to leave him. And yet I kept thinking about what my grandmother said about, no, you stay, you stay, you stay. Because if you stay, I mean, God's going to work it out, but you're going to have hard times. I mean, she let me know I'm going to have hard times, but I didn't believe that they were going to be as hard as they were. Right. But see, I don't know, because the ch- the part of me was raised with her would never change that way I felt about that. Right. And I was so glad for much of her advice, right. and that was one of them. But do I think, well, if I left, would he quit sooner? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, all I know is it was obviously a destiny-changing thing for our family because oh, yeah. because you stayed and because Dad accepted Christ. Except when he, t- when he threw <laughs> us out of the house. Yep. I mean, I hate to throw you under the bus, but you did it. That's <laughs> all I can say. And that little rainy night, we got we packed up with our Volkswagen, and you know I put all y'all in there, and you know we went over to his brother's, that spent, and we spent the night. But he said we could only stay one night, and I said, "Really? <laughs> I mean?" And he said, "I'm scared of Phil. That's what his brother said. I'm scared of him yeah. if he's drinking. So I, I, I'm just sorry." Well, Dad was a volatile person at that time but it wasn't too many months after that when when the whole thing turned around but i will tell you all both something just my observation lisa and i go and speak around the country and we talk a lot about our failures and lisa talks a lot about things that's happened in our life but this movie i think will only make people respect and love y'all more right because once you see what people have gone through. Yes, and then, because you get to see the good, I mean, Lisa and I are standing in front of an audience, they're seeing the, the good ending. That's right. We're together and we're talking about what God did for us. But when you go back, how many times do people come and say, courageous, yeah. y'all are so courageous. You talk about this stuff. And I had a guy tell me he was in politics in the last stop we were in. And he said, my wife's story and and, my, and me are so much like y'all's, but I don't have the courage to, to talk about it. And I looked at him, I said, yet. And, you know, he looked at me, he was like, because when God does something so amazing, in in the case of y'all, that was an amazing thing because most families would have never made it through all that. And he does something so amazing, the world needs to know what that is. And so I told Dad when we were talking about the movie, Mom, that you think about it, all the people that have ever lived in human history, how many people have ever had a movie made about their life? They either had to be really good or really bad to have a movie made about you. Yeah, right? and in our case, it was almost like God does perform miracles. Yeah. Well, it is. And I think oh, boy, another, I'm glad Jason here. Get him going on miracles. I think another thing you got to look at is is generational, too, because what you did in staying with Phil and being committed and forgiving and being patient with Phil then played out in Alan's life with me. Yeah, because then he was committed. He forgave me. He was patient, you know, for me to for the Lord to to change the things in me that he needed to. And so then I think, you know, on down, we help our kids in the same way with patience and forgiveness and commitment. And then hopefully that's going to pass on down more and more generations. But whenever you have divorce in a family and I know I'm not naive I know there's times that that that's necessary so I'm not saying that but whenever people have divorce in their family just because you know it's too tough I don't want to work it out usually their children have divorce in their family Mm -hmm. 
because they did not get that stick to itiveness, you know, that to be able to go through the hard times and come out on the other side and to like you like your grandmother said to fight for your marriage. I bet your grandmother at, at some point had to fight for her marriage. I know and that's did. the reason why she but told she you. She never that. told me details or nothing like that. Uh, when she was telling, right, you know, things, but they had it hard too. You know, I know they did because they were real poor. And then when they started in the back of that store, I mean, it was just a huge room, yeah. and they put up curtains to separate them from my daddy and Uncle Tom, his brother. And I mean, they lived there for just years with no real. There was no privacy until the store got going and making money, and then. My grandmother got to build the first brick house in our town, you know, and that was such a big deal. But they didn't even have bath. They used a outhouse. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, I guess they bathed How long with was a, that store there? How many years? So it's been 75 years is how long it's been. 75 there. years. Yeah. How long was it in business? Do you remember? At least 50 of that. It think. was a lot of years because what we did yeah. was. I mean, it was still running Nanny in the and 90s. Pa Nanny and pa Papa and. And Uncle Tom and my daddy did it, and you know, for years and years and years. And then when my daddy died, you know, and then Uncle Tom was still there. But Ronnie came in and worked. My sister came in and worked. I mean, so it was still just family, family. And even when they decided to shut it down, my cousin, Richie Hoyer, came in there and, and tried to run it for, you know, a couple of years. And now, they're, now they're wanting you and Willie to make it a museum. <clears throat> Hang on, let's take a break. They're wanting to make it a museum about your family. Is what I, I know. Heard. Well, but somebody's already rented it to do something else. Yeah, right. I don't know what they're going to do. I laugh because on the side of the building, it says built in 1926 or 27. <laughs> <laughs> what it says. I mean, it's like somebody tried to remember. They weren't quite sure, so it's ah, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. That's like Duck Commander, nineteen seventy-two, or it could have been seventy-three. Maybe it was seventy-four, or I don't know. Maybe it was nineteen seventy-one. Well, they should have. They should have come to me. I'm the family historian. Some of the stuff up there on the stuff is not right, but you know, I don't know who people that weren't there at the beginning. You remember it differently than it actually happened. Yeah. But, well, know. I mean, we all remember things different. Me and him. Remember several things different, but he. Did, I want him to tell what what I told him that, I, and I re, only recently shared this with him about what I saw when I saw the first time I saw him at North Caddo, where we went to high school. What? She said I was just walking down the hall, and as I walked by, she told her friend who was standing there, "I'm gonna marry him." She said, "You think?" He said, yep, he's the one. And well, that's the, the first time she ever laid I, eyes on me. I was very interested in sports, so I loved, uh, you know, that he was a quarterback and everything. And, um, you know, his brother. You still like football. I love football. I yeah, 74-year-old woman sitting up there. First I go to a couple of years ago, one of my friends, you know, that her children go to Riser. And I'm sitting up there watching her kids because I am kind of adopted them. And there's, so there's all these mothers, grandmothers, and everything all sitting around me. They don't, I said, what, what position does your son play? And she said, I don't know. What positions are out there? I mean, they knew nothing. I mean, nothing. So I got Phil, I come home and got him to write up a big thing about how you line up on offense, defense, doing. I, so I go back to try to explain all that to them. I don't know that they got it, but they finally somewhat knew what their grandson was doing. So you said that in the hall when you were 14 then? About 14, 14 years old. Like a freshman in high school? Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. You were, how old were you when you said you were going to marry me? In the sixth grade. You were like 11. Yeah. Wow. So well, that's early. Pretty, it's pretty amazing. The only yeah. thing is, Phil probably saw you. Alan never saw me. Well, I had... A lot going on. He that had year. he was, had bigger fish to fry. It was a big deal. That's you know it's bad when you peak in the eighth grade. But <laughs> 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 so Mr. Pinecrest is the only title I've ever had. Yeah, you know, I was doing a wedding one time and it was at the rehearsal and this woman she's very proper, 
you know, prim and she's trying to get everybody lined out. And I thought, oh, here we go. This is going to be fun. You know, just like dictatorial for the, for the wedding. And she said, um, she called me pastor at first. And then she said, oh, I, I'm so sorry. Uh, what title uh, do I need to address you as during the rehearsal? And I said, well, I prefer your excellency. <laughs> <laughs> and when I said it, all the kids laughed. You know, all the people at the wedding laughed. She didn't laugh. <laughs> she didn't think that was funny at all. Well, we've caused more confusion too at weddings. <laughs> at Jill and Zach's wedding, I know that uh, her mother said there was a little too much Louisiana humor going on. <laughs> well, you know, when I did Kim's wedding, Kim Holly, yeah. my, so. my first cousin. So I'm young. I'm like 26. I'm fresh up, freshly minted out of preaching school. And I was kind of building up my following, you know, here. And so I go over to do the wedding. She pulls me aside. And, and I don't know how old she was. She was young, too. And she said, you know how, like, you tell funny stories about the family and everybody laughs and they love your teaching and stuff? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I thought she was like, you know, give me some comments. She said, I don't want any of that at the wedding. And I was like, boring. <laughs> I was like, really? And she said, yeah, yeah, just, just do the basics and we'll get this over with. And so I did her son's wedding, Hayden, who's time, you know, time and Nancy's grandson. And so I got to tell that story. <laughs> you know, I said, I couldn't say anything funny at your mom's wedding, but I'm going to do what I want at your wedding. How about that? Yeah. And everybody laughed. It was really funny. But I, I love to gig her with that idea, which is pretty funny. Let's take our last break. So, Dad, in this uh, segment, I wanted to read another question. I thought this was was good. And he asked you, this is from Caleb uh, in Colorado. He's 22 years old. said, two months ago, I proposed to my girlfriend. She said, yes. I am regrettably not currently a man of faith, and she's never been in a religious family. I don't know. I know I can't do this on my own, but I don't know how to bring faith into our lives. And he talks about that he'd grown up where they fought a lot about religion. And so he says, where can I start, Phil? I want to be the best man I can be for my wife, myself, my wife's family, and our family's marriage legacy. Uh, you and Miss Kay, you guys have a dynamic that I really hope me and my wife can channel. You have a wonderful woman in marriage for years and years. I believe you can answer this question better than any therapist or counselor. So what would you tell this young man who's about to be married? Not not a man of faith by his own uh, admission. I'd tell him to read the book of John. Maybe they could, he could throw in the book of Matthew while he was at it. won't take him long to read it. That tells you who Jesus is, what he's done for you and your wife-to-be. Your sins have been removed. You're guaranteed you're being raised from the dead marry each other, stay faithful to one another, love God, love your neighbor. Love each other. All of the, how you should behave is throughout the Bible. <clears throat> you read the scriptures, you apply them. That way you'll, you, you'll know the difference between good and evil. And just do what's good. The country solely needs it. Your marriage will need that. So you better prepare yourself right now. Right. Just go around and do good. Love your wife. Stay with her. It's a it's a serious thing when you marry like that. So treat her well. Yeah. Yep. Paul said in Ephesians five thirty three that a husband needs to love his wife as Christ loved the church, mm -hmm. and a wife needs to respect her husband. The way he put it when he kind of concluded that section, even when they're bad. Well, exactly. And so, which mom, I mean, that's one thing I appreciate about you. Dad was not living a respectable life, and yet you still were trying your best to right. be who you needed to be for him. She was very patient. She was. That's exactly right. And, and that would be what I would say, right, babe? I mean, we talk about it. Another good thing, uh, Caleb, is I, I would encourage you to read Job 31, which is to me one of the best chapters in the Bible about what a respectable man looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think you should get your fiance to read Proverbs 31. Because yeah. when Lisa and I do a marriage talk about this, we say if a wife is doing her dead level best to be lovable, it makes a marriage better. It makes it easier for him to do what God commanded him to do. If the man is living a respectable life, it makes it easier for her to respect it. Mm -hmm. 
That's right. So it's two simple things, but right. very uh-huh. difficult sometimes to do. What would you say, Mom? What's your advice to this young couple? Yeah, I, you know, he he needs to get to know Jesus and uh, become a follower. And, and I'm telling you, it changes because when you learn and read the Bible, you see because everybody's all about their self because that's just how they are. They grow up. But then when you have a marriage, then you're you're one. You go as one, even though you have this different way. I mean, Phil's smart, smart, smart. I'm not that smart, <laughs> but I have a lot of common sense. I would probably have a PhD in that. And so in it, the school I, of hard knocks, you got a PhD. Yeah, I do. So, because, but look, I was never jealous because he went to college and all that, and I couldn't. I, I tried one semester, and the, my two professors says, you know, there's many good people that don't go to college, and <laughs> and you know, somewhat that doesn't mean anything that you're not good. It just means that that's not your route. And I said, I found that out when I saw my grades in those two classes. So I'm not pursuing college. Don't worry about that. But I think, and I saw it so much, like I say, because I was raised so much by my grandmother. And I remember beautiful things about them. Like they would, uh, at night, they had two double beds with a nightstand in between. And I would sleep with Nanny, you know, and Papa slept in the other one. But they would hold hands before they went to sleep every night. And then I remember them sitting in two rocking chairs in the middle of them old space heaters we used to have. That was what they had back then. And and they would just, she, I heard her read the Bible to him, mm-hmm. and they talked, and they communicated, you know, even in old age. And it was such a perfect example of, um, you know, what you should be. But, I mean, you know, she started out, and she got married at 15. And she said back then, they're kind of pushing you out of the house because it was so hard times. You know, if you had one mouth less to feed, that was good. Right. So, uh, you know, it's so many different circumstances. And she said that she got her, she had a gown and, like, three three clothes, you know, sets, um, our dresses. I'm sure that's all they wore. And all that, and her little, I mean, it was such a little bit of stuff. And then you just, you know, you started out with nothing. And yet they just made it for how many years till my papa died, you know? And now you're nanny. You're her age. Yep. Oh, I am. Whenever I was, you know, a little boy and going there, that's that's you now. You're, you're that of our But, family. you know, she, you, didn't you think she looked like, Ain't be on on mm, Andy Griffith. Had that hair up in a bun. And a bun, you know. And she never wore anything but her dress and her. The life. shame of it is for me is that really nobody else in our family knew her mm. because she died. She had diabetes and she she died. Of, heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah. And um, but I so I'm the only one that got to spend any time with her. You know, because and Jay- she Jason thought, and Willie don't remember. She it. thought you were the best thing that ever happened. And you know, her neighbor she was a good judge of character. I, Okay, let's don't get all conceited here. But her neighbor, this is a cute little story, so be patient. Her neighbor was called Miss Veda, and she lived by herself. Her husband died. He used to just, all he did all day was whistle. But anyway, so she she was, that's what old people did. He just sat around and whistled? He did. He could make so many whistling noises. And so when he passed away, it's a random fact, right? <laughs> so she had this beautiful, beautiful flower. You know, Nanny raised flowers on, but she had these special award-winning tulips, and she was so proud of them and everything. And that was just a whole I think I know thing. Know where this story's going? <laughs> yeah, and so it was just like they were just her pride and joy. They were like what she lived for, making these beautiful tulips. And, you know, Nanny couldn't even grow the tulips because they didn't grow in her soil, but they grew over there. So uh, when Ellen was up there, he'd come over and he said, Mama, I brought you the best present, the best present. And he was a little boy. And I said, what would you bring me? And he held up those tulips, and I said, you brought me with Beta's tulips? He said, I picked them all. I picked them all. And I was like, oh, my gosh, we got to get this out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> I didn't know. 
Yeah, and you did it, and you were so sweet, and that was such a nice gesture. So I got a question for you. Did Has Jace ever brought you Miss Veda's flowers? Not, <laughs> not hardly. Not hardly. Just remember that when the whale comes, Mom. Just remember who the, who the no, one that Jace brought you. He's just sitting around whistling. He's like just, Miss yeah, Jace is a whistler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or playing poker or something. But anyway, I mean, each one had their unique thing. Of, of all y'all. You remember that? And, of course, they all got jealous because Jep got the most. But I sat y'all down before I put him in OCS and said, will that bother y'all that you couldn't go to a private school, Christian school, but he can? And every one of y'all said, no, we want him to go. We're glad he can go. Well, and I think that's the thing. People ask all the time, how do you guys stay close as a family? You know, because now we're all patriarchs of our own clans, Dad. I mean, we not we've all got grandchildren except for Jeff, but it's because we really did, you instilled in us an ability to love each other. And so, you know, is it hard sometimes? Well, sure, you disagree. You know, you're a family, but at the end of the day, it's just like the show tried to illustrate: we're together. We all still live in the same town, even though our you know, people get spread out. We work all around the country, but. We're all here because of you guys. I mean, we love that. And we so, can't hardly fit in our house at Christmas. We're almost yeah. too big. It's like now when we get together, it reminds me of an old family reunion. You know, where so many people come together, you got to go to a park or someplace because you can't hard, we, we can't hardly fit in a house anymore. Right. I mean, it's we have I, we have multiplied. But I think that the way that the family is, um, I didn't come from a family like that. We were not real forgiving of one another <clears throat> and we didn't always get along um my mother didn't always care for her son-in-laws or her daughter-in-law and um so we didn't you know that's not how I was raised but lucky for me I came into this family at 18 so you know next month Alan and I celebrate 38 years of marriage that's why um but my thing is, I think that's why we could so easily embrace Phyllis is because well, we've been looking for him. Yeah. Well, you, you guys embraced him. me. I mean, whenever I came into the family, you totally embraced me. Um, and to and family means something to the Robertsons, you know, it means. Yeah. I mean, it, it means that you're you're mine and I'm going to take care of you. And I think that's why it was because people ask all the time, I mean, how did that work out with Phyllis? And, you know, what was Miss Kay thinking? And, you know, how is how is that affecting their relationship? But it's but to me, when I look at it, I see forgiveness and I see patience. I see commitment, um, acceptance, which is all the things that you, that this family has offered to me in the 38 years that I've been in it, but also it's what, it's what we offer for Phyllis too, is that, you know, we, we want her to feel like she's part of us. Well, it was no, she's ac- a Robertson. It was no you know? accident that she says when she tells how she first met us, that yours is the first face she saw and then she knew it was going to be okay. I mean, God had that arranged, you know, she would see Lisa first. Uh, we're out of time. That seemed to go by fast. Yep, it did. Uh, but so we're going in overtime. Uh, I ha- I wanted us to all share our favorite verse and why. Okay. So we're going to do that in the overtime. So if you want to follow us over, it's blazetv.com slash unashamed and get a little more time with Lisa and Miss Kay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.